Well, good morning, everyone. If we can, those of you in the sanctuary, if we can just take our seats and let's calm ourselves as we come to worship our God this morning. Um, a warm welcome to all of you who are joining us on Zoom. Quick wave. Wave back. Are they waving? Yes, they're waving. Um, and, and you can wave in here as well. It's, it's fine. We can wave in here as well. We have hands. We can wave in adoration. So, um, Anyway, lovely to see you all. If you're a visitor here this morning, we do give you a warm welcome um, and pray that you'll have a fantastic time in God's house this morning. Um, the, the songs will come up on the screen. I'm Steve and I'll be leading you through the service and Martin will be speaking later. Just a note, especially for those on Zoom, today it is communion. So make sure you've got your elements ready and we'll be celebrating communion together through the service. Um, just a couple of things as far as notice is concerned. Um, it's church meeting on Tuesday, so please make sure you attend. There are votes to be done for the leadership. Um, if you are not here, you won't have a chance to vote. We are not doing Zoom voting. So make your presence felt and make your votes felt by coming down here on Tuesday um, and voting and also being part of um, the fellowship here. Um, I think that's all I have as far as notices are concerned, unless anybody else has anything else they need to say. No? Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your glory. We thank you that we come here this morning. And it doesn't matter what our week has been like, Lord, we come to worship and praise and adore you. You are the reason we're here today. And so, Father God, just inhabit our praises, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. So I just need to set myself up. Bass, are you ready? Yeah, okay, right, okay. Drums, drums, yeah, okay. But no instruments, there we go, hit it. Let's stand and sing. Come praise the Lord, his life in all its fullness. Will you lift your voice? Shattered darkness, we have come to rejoice. And all around the world, he is calling people who will take up this call and follow him. Every breath we praise, every heart we raise to the King of all creation. Every breath we praise, every heart we raise to the Lord of all. Every breath we praise, every heart we raise to 
God, if you're on Zoom and you want to unmute them, please just bring your prayers of thanksgiving. If you've got a new song this morning, let's just sing it out to the Lord. Words from John. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, where it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. The angel told her that Jesus had risen and would meet his disciples later in Galilee. Thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. Lord, I thank you that wherever we are, um, indoors, outdoors, wherever we are, um, technology, we can just meet together, we can just be together. And I just really thank you for fellowship, Lord, and the freedom, such freedom that we have in this country to worship and praise you and just be part of a family together. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Come and abide with you, and we will party together forever and ever. Praise Amen. Him. Amen. So, Father God, we thank you for the praises that have been raised this morning. Lord, from our hearts is still not enough. Lord, we know that you are worthy of all praise and all honor and all glory. And Lord, we thank you that we can come together as your people. Lord, we just, we just ask that you would just continue to dwell in this service. And Lord, we just bless your name. Amen. Amen. It's now time for the young people that are going out to their groups to go out. And can somebody please bring up the offering? Yes, I've remembered the offering. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Thanks, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for each and every good gift that you give to each one of us. Lord, thank you that out of what you've given us, we can give back. Lord, out of, out of our need and out of our abundance, Lord, we're able to give. And Lord, we just ask that you would use the money that's been put in the plate this morning and that which has gone through bank accounts. Lord, to just extend your kingdom here in Newhall, to bring change to our community. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we're moving into a time of communion. I'm going to hand over to Martin, who's going to lead us through that. So for those of you on Zoom, please have your elements ready. Service could come up. That would be really handy. Thank you. After we've shared uh, bread and wine together, uh, there'll be an opportunity for us to bring prayers 
um, for the fellowship, people that we know need um, Christ's grace and mercy and help today, for whatever reason. Um, so please be ready to pray. Uh, again, um, Jude will have the mic in hand, ready to go on that, so that those on Zoom can, can hear you pray. Just to, when we come to the open prayers, just uh, put your hand up and uh, Jude will, will come over and uh, you can be heard. Thank you. You don't need to be a member of this church to take uh, communion, but it is, it is the Lord's meal and it is for believers. It is for those who have come to that place of trust and faith and obedience to Jesus. Um, so we invite everyone who has that relationship with Jesus to take part in this meal. If you, for any reason, feel unable to take part today, then please do reflect on what these symbols mean. And maybe for you, these symbols speak something powerful for you to consider further. And maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody about communion and about what these simple elements represent. So we remember that as Jesus took bread and broke it at the Last Supper with his disciples, he said, this is my body given for you. And just as we break this bread apart, we remember that the body of Jesus was sacrificed for our sin, to pay the penalty of our sin, which is death. And uh, Jesus took the cup, and after he had given thanks, he said, drink this in remembrance of me. And this wine is a symbol of the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And it's the blood of the new covenant, the covenant is a relationship that God has brought with us, his people. And God has brought peace with his people through the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is a symbol of life. And in Jesus' death on the cross, we have life because he gave up his life so that we might have eternal life. He died in our place that we might receive new life. And so this wine speaks of the death of Jesus, but it also speaks of the new life that his blood and death gives to us by faith. Let's, let's pray, and uh, Noel is going to lead us in prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you, Noel. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your great love for us in sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Lord Jesus, it is a great privilege to come to your throne of grace. You gave yourself so willingly and shed your precious blood. Lord, we stand in awe and wonder for all you have done for us for the forgiveness of our sins, your resurrection from the dead, and your ascension to heaven, where you now intercede for us. Lord, as we take this bread that represents your body, we remember that you are the bread of life. You feed our souls, you nourish our hearts, and you give us sustenance to run the race before us. 
And as we drink this wine, which represents your blood shed for us, we remember, Lord, that you are the giver of life. You bring deep peace to our souls and your love flows from within us. Lord, thank you for accepting us into your family. Thank you for the fellowship that we share with you and with one another. As we share this communion, we look forward, Lord, to the time when we will partake of it at the marriage supper of the Lamb. To the praise and glory of your holy name, we worship you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Noel. And so, just as there is one loaf broken into many parts, so as the family of God, we are one body, and yet we are composed of many different parts. And so as we eat this bread, we partake of the one loaf as the body of Christ, composed of many parts. So we take and eat as we receive the bread. And we remember that after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We will hold on to our cups and all drink together as a sign of our unity in the Lord.
So we drink this with thanksgiving. If you would like to offer up a prayer of thanksgiving or a petition, people then please uh, raise your hand and Jude will come with the microphone. If you're on Zoom please unmute and feel free to lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father God, for Charlotte. And Father God, we thank you that you're a God who heals. And Father God, we would pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding upon her this morning. Lord, we thank you for the way in which you care for us. And we thank you for doctors and nurses and everyone else at the hospitals, Father God, that care for us too. And Lord, as she has um, different tests today, Father God, we pray, Father God, for a good and plan to be put in place. And Father God, that you would bring your healing to her. In Jesus' name, amen. To Clover, for his operation tomorrow, that you would be with him. Give him peace. Lord, keep him from uh, anything that would... Uh, prevent that from happening. We just pray, Lord, that you guard his mind and his heart with your peace yeah. and that you would go ahead of him and that that would be a successful uh, operation tomorrow. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
told to pray for kings and those in authority, that there might be peace in your world. Lord, peace so that the gospel can be proclaimed. And uh, Lord, Lord, we just want to bring you the uh, horrendous situation on the, the border of Ukraine with Russia at this time. Lord, we, we don't understand what's going on in the, the mind of Putin at this time. And, uh, but Lord, we want to proclaim that you are sovereign, that you are the Lord of history and the creator and sustainer and Lord of the whole world. And Lord, we want to ask that you would stay the hand of those who would seek to make war and that, Lord, there would be somehow an, in, an intervention that would stop war escalating, that, Lord, your kingdom would grow and that your name would be honoured. Lord, we pray that you would intervene, Lord, even miraculously send dreams and visions um, to prevent uh, war coming. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that a peaceful settlement would be able to be found. Lord, that there wouldn't be loss of life and bloodshed and uh, horrendous uh, consequences uh, through war. So, Lord, have your way. May your kingdom come on earth in Ukraine and Russia as it is in heaven. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Lord, I just want to uh, pray for my dad who continues to recover um, after his open heart surgery yeah. in um, Harefield Hospital. Just want to thank you for all the staff um, at St. Peter's Hospital and at Harefield and the air ambulance. Mm. Um, and we just want to pray for this wonderful miracle from God. Yes. Um, and we just pray now that um, his rehabilitation continues. We pray that he will soon be moved back to St. Peter's and then that um, he can get back to home. Um, and I just want to thank you, Lord, for all the people that have been praying for him, um, especially those at Heatherville. Thank you, Lord. You are a great God. Amen. Lord, I want to pray for those um, known to us and those up and down the country who've suffered uh, damage and loss of property. Lord, with all the upset and upheaval uh, that that causes, Lord, some of it relatively minor, but some of it more serious, Lord. Um, but Lord, it's, we know how uh, upsetting uh, these things can be, and uh, Lord, all the stress that's involved in uh, repairs and insurance and all the rest of it. Lord, we just want to lift up all those who've been affected by these storms. Lord, just give them patience and strength and your grace. And Lord, we pray for favour on them, that this, the work that needs to be done to bring repair would be not arduous and difficult to organise, but Lord, your hand of favour would be upon them. Lord, thank you that we can bring to you uh, the big things and the smaller things. You are the God who cares for us. You, you even know how many hairs are on our heads. Lord, you promise to give good things to us, your children, because you are our loving Father who longs for us to ask for the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that you would fill us afresh 
even as we're gathered around the table again with your Holy Spirit. Pour out your love into our hearts, Lord. Set our hearts on fire again with love for you, for your church, for your people, for your kingdom and for your name. For we ask all these prayers in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Steve. So our reading this morning is from Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the th first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away, and as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's just pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the resurrection. We, we just praise you for that. And Lord, as we come to hear your word now, just open our hearts and open our ears to hear from you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve, for, for leading us so well. That was a great time of worship this morning, wasn't it? And uh, just to feel the spirit moving and to have that freedom just to bring prayers and songs as the spirit leads is, is wonderful. So thank you. That was, that was really, really special. Thank you. Um, apparently, it's okay to preach on the resurrection when it's not Easter Sunday. I have that on good authority. Um, uh, by the way, the Methodists used to have a conference called Easter People, which is entirely appropriate because we are people of Easter, aren't we? We are people of the resurrection. The reason you're sitting here today is because of the resurrection, right? Um, so it's good to preach on the resurrection when it's not Easter Sunday, in case you think that I, my calendar is, is up the creek. Um, the early church, um, not surprisingly, made Sunday... Um, the day of worship very early on because this is a day when Jesus was raised from the dead. It's also the day when the Spirit came at Pentecost. So it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that Sunday should be the day when we come together to worship the risen Christ and when we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit. Those things are not just for Easter Sunday and Pentecost because Jesus is risen all of the time um, and the Holy Spirit has been given for all time, for every Sunday. Um, so, I wonder what you make of Mark's uh, short ending. Um, it's not very, it's a bit low key, isn't it? A bit disappointing. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Uh, have you ever read a really great book uh, and you got to the end and you thought, hmm, 
that could have been better. You know, the ending could have done better with that. Um, have you ever watched a TV series or a film and thought, that's not the greatest ending. You know, I could have done better or I would have done this. Some, uh, a few years ago, there was a trend where you could choose the ending that you wanted to a series. You could have three of you, there were three or four options as to how you, the series ended. You could choose A, B, C, or D. Um, it's a bit like that with Mark, isn't it? It's a bit, huh, you know? No wonder then some scribes came along later, read Mark's ending and thought, I don't like that ending. I'm going to add in verses 9 to 20 because I don't like Mark's ending. And that's what they did. If you look in your Bible, there will be a note which says verses 9 to 20 do not belong to the earliest manuscripts. And that's absolutely true. It doesn't belong in the original uh, manuscripts. There is no scholar alive today who would include verses 9 to 20 in the original manuscripts. It's too late. It comes much later on. There's truth in there. Um, it's truth that you'll find in Paul's letters and in the other Gospels, but it's not Mark's truth. It's the addition of a later scribe. And you can read all the commentaries at your leisure about that. So I'm not going to bore you with that today. The vast majority of scholars um, accept the shorter ending of Mark's Gospel as deliberate. In other words, Mark wants to annoy us and irritate us with his ending, right? He's winding us up. He's going to us in effect. He's saying to us, come on then, what are you going to do about the resurrection? Because uh, my response is, hang on a minute, Mark, you haven't finished the story. There's more to this. You can't end it there, Mark. And Mark is prodding us to examine our own lives and to ask the question, are we a bit more like the women and the male disciples than we would care to admit, right? Because we're a bit disappointed, aren't we, by this ending. The women are trembling and bewildered and they flee from the tomb. They say nothing to anyone, it's a bit disappointing. Mark would say to us, are we sometimes a little bit like the women, right? We say nothing to anyone. Or even worse, the men. Where are the men? Seriously. They fled. Nowhere to be seen. Ever since Jesus was arrested, they pegged it. Nowhere to be seen. The women are here at the tomb on the first day of the week. At least they're honoring Jesus in his death. The men have pegged it. So is Mark saying that maybe some of us sometimes are a little bit more like the men than we'd care to admit, right? In other words, this abrupt, disappointing ending is deliberate. Mark is winding us up and getting us to ask the question, are we more like these disciples than we'd care to admit, right? deliberate. The early church, when they heard Mark's gospel read out, because Mark's gospel wasn't written until the late 60s AD. Jesus was raised in the early 30s AD. So 
500 people, we're told by the Apostle Paul, saw the risen Christ at the same time, along with all the other disciples at different times and the women. So for 30 odd years, the church has been hearing about from first-hand eyewitnesses that Jesus is raised from the dead. So can you imagine when this gospel was read out for the first time in church and Mark ends it there and everybody's going, ah, Mark, there's more to this story. We've heard from the original eyewitnesses that Jesus was raised. So what are these women and men doing running away and keeping silent? Oh yeah, and those fingers come back onto the hearers and onto us, don't they, very quickly. Because we realize we're not dissimilar to the women who tremble and keep quiet and don't believe the resurrection. Let me explain. We're sometimes a bit like the women in the story. They were faithful to Jesus. They were there at the cross, weren't they? Watching from a distance, Mark tells us. They were there to anoint his body in his burial. At least the women are still around. Mark is very sympathetic to, to women, by the way, in his gospel, as is Luke. You could say that Mark, Luke might be feminists. The women were faithful and devoted in their service, but ultimately they don't believe the words of God through the angel. They don't go and tell the disciples immediately. They tremble and they stay silent. They don't do as they're told. The men are not even anywhere to be seen. They pegged it. I wonder, are we a little bit more like the women and the men than we care to admit? When the storms of life hit, we sometimes flee from Jesus. Now, what I mean by that is we don't trust in Jesus. Instead of running towards him and his promises in prayer, we go into self-preservation mode and we say, well, Jesus has clearly abandoned me in this crisis. I'm going to sort it out myself. And we fail to run towards him and pray and trust in his word. And we spiral down into despondency and doubt and fear, just like the women. We may even flee, um, literally, from God's people. We may stay away from church because we're feeling wobbly and doubting and fearful in our faith. We stay away from reading our Bible. We stop praying because we feel that Jesus has abandoned us. We've all been there, let's be honest. So first, you'll, you'll guess I've got three points. First, Mark is saying we're more like the male disciples than we care to admit. Remember, Jesus had told his disciples three times in Mark's gospel that he would have to die and then rise from the dead. And he even told them the day before that he was going ahead of them to meet them in Galilee after his resurrection. Look, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He's told them three times that he's going to die and then rise again. He tells them for a fourth time he's going ahead of them. And you can read it yourself. Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I'll not abandon you. Hmm. Peter that night denied knowing Jesus three times. Best of intentions, Peter fled at Jesus' arrest. Mark is challenging us here. 
Just as Jesus made wonderful promises to his disciples, you know, Jesus has made wonderful promises to us about his resurrection. But when trouble and storms come, we sometimes fail to trust in Jesus' promises, just like the disciples, right? Maybe we run away from Jesus in the face of storms instead of running into his arms. Jesus promised he will never leave us or forsaken us. Jesus was abandoned on the cross so that we will never be abandoned, right? Paul promises that nothing in all creation, neither height nor depth, demons or powers of hell, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And yet we sometimes fail to trust. Like the women and the men, we we become fearful, bewildered. We run away from God rather than running into his arms. We trust in ourselves rather than in God. Um, it's, it's a very simple test of this. When a crisis hits, what's your first action? Is it to phone a friend? I'm not, it's not millionaire, by the way. Is it to phone a friend? Is it to go into panic mode? Or is prayer your first port of call? That's a very simple test. Well, both, actually. There was once when, uh, on that topic, Anne, once when my, uh, we called 999 and my son said, but you haven't prayed. And he was only, he was five years old. What a challenge. You know, we've done the 999 bit, but Sam said, you haven't prayed, Dad. Fair point, well made. We run away from Jesus when we take our eyes off him and we assume he's abandoned us in the storm, right? The wheels have come off, so he must have left us. We go into panic mode. We become fearful, despondent. Um, have you noticed with very young children and toddlers, if they injure themselves, they'll often reach up like this with their arms, won't they, and say, carry. Uh, Ella used to say, daddy carry, like that. Daddy carry, which meant daddy carry me. And it was when they were tired or lazy <laughs> or they genuinely hurt themselves, they would go daddy carry because they wanted to be lifted up and held and know that they were loved, right? Well, that's what, when we lift holy hands in prayer, we are reaching up to the hands of the Father and saying, Abba, Daddy, Kai, right? We're saying, Lord, I haven't got this. Lord, I'm fearful. I need comforting. I need to know that you love me. Daddy, Kai. And when we pray and we lay the crisis out before God, do you know what God does? He lifts us up and he wraps his loving arms around us and he speaks words of love into our hearts and ears. That's what it means to come to meditate on scripture and to pray. Daddy, Kay. Second, we can be like the women too. Uh, the women come off much better in Mark's gospel. Mark uh, sees them positively. 
As Jesus is dying on the cross, it's the women who get a mention in Mark's gospel. Listen to this. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joses and Salome. In Galilee, these women followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Mark is commending the service and devotion and faithfulness of the women who were with Jesus through his ministry. Right to the end, his death and his burial, they're there. No mention of the men. Mark is saying that these women are examples of devotion and faithfulness to God. But they're not perfect. They're a mixed bag, right? Even they don't trust Jesus fully. Now, it's understandable that they should be afraid when they see the stone rolled back. Great big three-ton stones in front of tombs don't get rolled back on their own, right? There's no way the Roman soldiers would have done it because there was a seal on the front of the tomb which meant that the soldiers or, or any robbers would have been answerable to Caesar if they broke the seal on the tomb. No way is anybody going to move that tomb because that would be certain death under the authority of Caesar and Rome. No one would move that stone. And they go in and they see an angel sitting. Now, if you and I saw that, I think we'd be afraid. Don't know whether we'd be more afraid of the stone having been moved miraculously or the angel or both, but we would be afraid. But the angel says to the women, reminds them what Jesus has just said. I'm going ahead of you into Galilee. I am, after I'm raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you and meet you in Galilee. The women have heard Jesus say three times that Jesus will rise, will die and rise again. But when the angel says, Jesus is risen, go and tell the other disciples, how does Mark leave it? Well, they were bewildered and frightened and they said nothing to anyone. So even the women are a mixed bag, right? They're there, they're faithful, but they don't trust in the promises of God ultimately. They, they're not obedient to their commission and call to go and tell the disciples, at least not in the immediate. They're silent and say nothing. Jesus wants more than our faithfulness, service, and devotion. He wants at least that, doesn't he? Jesus loves faithfulness, service, and devotion in the church and in the community. But he wants our trust more, doesn't he? You see, the women failed to trust in the promises of God, and they were their fear overcame them in the immediate. Now, we know that they must have told the, the male disciples eventually because Luke and Matthew record it in their Gospels, right? So they must have gotten around to it, but they certainly don't do it straight away. It takes them a while to come to terms with it. In the short term, they're fearful and trembling and bewildered, and they stay silent. They say nothing to anyone. We can be so much like this, can't we? We are faithful, we are devoted, 
just like the women in what we do to serve Christ. And yet we are overcome sometimes by fear of speaking out about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. Yeah? We're, we're afraid to go there with family members. It's too awkward. So we don't say anything. We keep quiet in our university or our workplace because it's too awkward and we stay silent. And when somebody raises the topic of religion or faith or says, what did you do on the weekend? We say nothing. The number of times that I've been so ashamed of myself when a simple comment, I've missed an opportunity. Anybody else? I've come away and I've thought, oh Lord, oh, I missed it there. I'm so sorry. I've been so ashamed. You know, it could be something simple like somebody says, well, what did you do on your weekend? And you go, oh, um, yeah, uh, watch some TV and watch the rugby. And well, what about church and praising Jesus and doing that which is most precious to me? We can be so much like the women. We serve faithfully and with devotion, and yet the words stick, don't they? We're fearful. Like the women, we're too cowardly, too timid. We stay quiet because we're afraid of the consequences of sharing Jesus. We spiral into fear and bewilderment when the storms of life hit us. We're paralyzed by fear and we flee from Jesus rather than reaching up, Daddy K. Arms go down and we walk in the other direction. Have mercy on us, Lord. But you know, there's good news here for failing disciples like me and you, who don't always speak up when we should, who don't always trust in the promises of God when the crisis hits. There's good news. Jesus is faithful even when we aren't. I hope that's good news to you. It's good news to me. Number three, Mark wants us to know that Jesus loves to restore fearful and failing disciples like us. Through the angel, Jesus asked the women to pass on the message to Peter. I love that. Peter, the one who denied knowing Jesus three times, gets mentioned first. That's grace, isn't it? Listen to verse 7. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Peter gets named. The failing one. The denying one, the one who denied knowing Jesus, gets named. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you'll see him, just as he's already told you. <laughs> Three days before, he's already told you. In other words, Peter, you've messed up, you've failed, but Jesus still has a plan for you and all the disciples. Isn't that good news? Even when we mess up and fail Jesus and let him down, Jesus still calls you and me by name and works with us. If we're willing to repent of our failure. You remember the scene at the end of John's Gospel? Jesus um, was great company, wasn't he? he? He loved his barbecues. We love our barbecues here. Mark does a, a wonderful job with barbecues. We got another one in the summer. But Jesus was cooking fish on a barbecue, wasn't he? And uh, the disciples are out fishing in Galilee. And Jesus calls them in and says, hey, you've got some fish cooking, guys. Come and have some fish. And it's there around the barbecue that Peter 
is restored wonderfully, isn't he? Jesus says three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter, oh, he must have wept, mustn't he? Just as he'd done when he denied Jesus. Lord, you know that I love you. Three times he denied Jesus. Three times Peter can express remorse and be forgiven. His failure is overcome by the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, isn't it? Around a barbecue. Wonderful. So if we're willing to acknowledge that we mess up and we don't always trust in the storm as we should, right? We don't always trust in the promises of God. When the storm hits, we, we would never say it out loud to anyone, would we? Never. But we sometimes doubt that God still loves us. We don't pray as we used to. We don't run into the arms of God in prayer and meditation on scripture as we used to. We run away. We run away from church. We don't want to be around God's people because it makes us feel ashamed of our lack of faith and trust. So we keep away. We have all sorts of ways of fleeing from God, don't we? God wants to reach down and lift us up and wrap his loving arms around us. But he wants us to reach up with holy hands of prayer and trust. Doesn't he? Like the women and the disciples, we fail sometimes to be courageous in our witness to Jesus. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. And we go, hmm, sounds good. Do we believe it? Because if we really believe that the Holy Spirit is with us, if we really believe that Jesus has given us his authority and power and presence to make disciples, don't you think we'd be a bit more confident about going and making disciples if we really believe that promise? Sorry, it's a bit obvious, but it, the obvious needs to be said. Why are we so timid? Why are we so fearful? Why do we stay silent when God says, I've given you power and authority, so go in the power of my spirit and I'll be with you until the end of the age. Don't you think God wants us to have confidence and trust? that he's really with us by his Holy Spirit and we're not on our own? I think so. The power of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. Wow. It's what the scriptures say. The Holy Spirit, the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives and works in you and me. That's power, isn't it? But do we believe it? Do we go, oh, that's for somebody else? Not for me. It's for you. It's for me. It's for failing disciples who are willing to say, Lord, I've messed up. But do you know what? I want more power. I want more boldness. I want more courage. And do you know what God does when people come humbly like that? With empty hands, he fills them with power. You remember Peter and the other disciples, the 120 on the day of Pentecost? The same lot that had fled him were there in the upper room waiting for the gift of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, and Peter preached a powerful sermon, and 3,000 people came to trust in Jesus and were baptized. 
the failing, fearful Peter who denied Jesus three times is transformed to be the bold, courageous Peter who proclaims the gospel and thousands of people come into the kingdom. That's the sort of transformation that Jesus can bring to fearful and failing disciples like you and me. If we're willing to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my mistakes, for my timidity, for my lack of courage, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we want to say that we are much more like the male disciples and the women than we would care to admit. Jesus, sometimes we disappoint you. We, we stay silent when we should speak up. Sometimes, Lord, we don't trust in your promises in the, when the crises hit. Lord, rather than reaching up in prayer, and trusting in your promises. Lord, we flee, we stop praying, we stop coming to church, we stop trusting in your word. Lord, we wanna say sorry today. Lord, have mercy on us. And just as Jesus, you forgave Peter and restored him wonderfully, Lord, would you restore us today? And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us with boldness and confidence and joy in Jesus. Help us to believe that promise, Lord, that you will be with us until the very end of the age. Help us to believe that all authority and power has been given to Christ, who then gives that to us, his disciples. So may we go and make disciples boldly, confidently, courageously. Lord, forgive us for our timidity. Forgive us for our lack of trust. Holy Spirit, fill us with the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Give us a passion for Jesus. Give us a courage for Jesus. Give us a desire to share Jesus with whoever comes across our path. Give us opportunities, Lord, even today and this week to speak of Christ. Open doors for us, Lord, and give us the boldness to share. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. I just sense that God is saying, just wait, don't rush on. Maybe you just want to hold out your hands to show that you want to receive the gift of the Spirit this morning. Let's just wait on the Lord. If you feel that you failed God, just confess it and receive his forgiveness. If you feel that you want greater boldness, courage, just ask him now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just just wait on Jesus, ask him for forgiveness, ask him for courage, ask him for greater faith to trust in his promises. Whatever you need, seek him now. Thank you, Jesus.
So let's finish our service by singing a song. There is a day. One day we're all going to be together, not just with the people who are here, but with all those who've gone before us. We're going to be meeting the saints in heaven. Um, and, and God has, has prepared a place for us, for those of us who have, have trusted in Jesus. Let's sing. Can we have it from the start, Carol? Sorry. Verse one. Thanks. No. One. Thanks. There is a track and we'll start again. Carol, can you put the song back on? Just go for display. Thanks. Let's go for it again. Well, we had a good start anyway. There is a
thank you for that promise that one day we will be with you in glory and so lord we thank you and we praise you for the resurrection and as we go out into this week lord help us to walk in the power that you've given us the power of jesus that raised jesus from the dead help us to walk in that power and help us to be bold for we ask it in jesus name amen